Welcome to They That Hope with Father Dave and Bob, seeing humor and hope in a crazy world. And I'm Bob. And I'm Father Dave. And we're grateful that you get to join us as we continue our journey into Lent. Uh, God bless all of you listening, all of you sending emails, all of you sharing stories. Uh, it's a real joy to just spend some time with you. Thanks for thanks for giving us some time and being a part of our conversation I today. thought you were going to say as you join us in our journey of, to space. That's <gasps> what I thought you were going to say. Let's talk about space. Mars. I know. Wasn't that cool? Yes, that was absolutely amazing. Maybe some people listening haven't. I'm, I know there's some. I'm, I'm sure that's not true. They're fasting from, from social from space life. exploration. So yeah, maybe we should explain what exactly happened and why it's so fantastic. Well, what was it Thursday that they mm. landed on the, the yep. 19th? I think February 19th we landed. Do you know the name of the vehicle? Oh my gosh, I do. It's, wait, it's not the Curiosity. No, Perseverance. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. Boom. And some kid, like a high school kid, got won the prize of naming it. The perseverance, so that was kind of cool. Wait, time out. Yeah. That's really that's really true. Yeah, yeah. They had this contest about how to, what the name of this oh, okay. vehicle would be. So he, well, no, I was just thinking he picked he picked a name and they picked his name. I thought if they actually like randomly picked a high school kid, you could name a Mars yeah, rover yeah, whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. It's not going to no, be. It was not that perseverance. It's going to be like. Mm. Mars, butthead. don't go there. Don't go there. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. So they landed, and it was just actually it was really really pretty cool that. The technology of it is just crazy it, over it, the top. It's unreal. Yeah. It's unreal. So it took, I guess they launched on July 30th, and it's, what, 3 million miles? No, 33 million miles away. Yeah. Which is a long ways away. And they have to time it so yep. that the orbit is right, you know, yeah, because yeah. at different times in the orbit, it's going to be even farther away, depending right, on where right. it That's, is. They said rotation. they use the orbit. And just kind of catch up to it. You don't just go straight at it. It's like, right. oh, there it is. Let's just go yeah. there. It's like, it's like a football pass. Like it's when actually, you throw it, no, the guy's not there at the time. And it's like you, our recording. Is it? Uh, oh, because it's even better. It's not really today. It's two days ago. Oh, but my gosh. We Here go we there. Podcast. So uh, you know, I've stopped talking about the bucks. Could we stop talking about the, the days? No. Uh-uh. Okay. So, but it was actually, it was just really, really fascinating. I was listening to a, a podcast from NASA that yeah. they were talking about it and they said that they think partly because of COVID, it didn't get the attention that it deserved. But I've always kind of been enamored with space stuff. Yes. So I followed this and it was it was kind of sad when they, you know, and they landed it. And it's 11 minutes. It takes 11 minutes. So it happened 11 minutes earlier than it actually gets to right. the, the images. But they couldn't hug each other. Everybody was like elbow <laughs> elbow bumping each other. Right. And it's like really, really kind Come of on, sad. Come on, guys, just give a hug. For yeah. crying out loud, you just landed a rover on Mars. Yeah. Yeah, the amount of work and the detail and the math. 50,000 miles an hour. That's just is, crazy. Is what the thing's going. It was cool, too. They were talking to one of the engineers, and he said his first engineering class in college, he got like a C minus. And now he's some <laughs> some stud that's doing this. It's really crazy. Yeah. You know, I, w- I went to space camp twice. Mm. I might have shared that before. And yeah. I absolutely love mm. space. I love space travel. The final frontier. Um, I like the concept of it, but that particular movie was, was one of the worst. And... Um, yeah, just uh, part of space camp is we got to go into shuttle simulations. I miss the space shuttle. The space shuttle was so amazing. Yeah. And just all the stuff that goes into it. I mean, again, just the math of the most precision uh, 
calculations. It's unbelievable. I mean, it really is nuts. Do you ever see the movie Apollo 13? Of course. Of yeah, course. What a great movie of that course. was. Of course. My father has this cool, he had a friend that worked with the NASA and he's got this cool lithograph, I guess it is. Okay. Of the Apollo 13, it was signed by all the astronauts what? and then all of the actors that played the astronauts and Ron Howard. It's really, really cool. Oh, that is amazing. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Yeah. Actually, it's funny. One of my like bucket list things was always to see space the space camp. No, that's, oh. that's just, you can dream and then you can just dream things that you know aren't ever going to happen. Yeah, right? I'm glad you but let that go. But was to see the space shuttle go up. I know. So a number, like, it was early, mid-90s, I guess, it was with uh, the Sun Life Group that went down, mm. the university does ministry on the beaches. So we were about, I don't know, 200 miles from it. And we saw just kind of like a little bit of a flame. and said, well, that was close enough. So jump ahead two years later, I'm a deacon in Tampa, actually, at St. Pat's. There you go. Go Bucks. And... um so the space shuttle was going up, and mm-hmm. I said to the youth minister, I said, we're going to go to this. So we drove over to Titus Beach. Is that what it mm-hmm. is? Okay, yeah. so which is kind of the closest you can get to be able to watch it. So it was like Without 12, a ticket. Right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Without a ticket, of course. Well, it was about 12 minute miles away or something like that. So it's around 6 in the morning, and this guy comes up to us in shorts, no shirt, tattoos all over himself. So you, you've already said you're Drink, in Florida. Continue. Drinking a, yes. Yeah, drinking a beer, right? right? Yeah, of course. And, uh, it's always 10 o'clock somewhere. Yeah, so he says, uh, he goes, hey, do you guys want this? And I said, well, what is he? He goes, it's tickets to watch the space shuttle go up from, he goes, they won't let me drink beer there. It's like, you've got, so we said, yes, we all like going in, we thought this is a scam. There's right, no way. Right. So we go to the first checkpoint, give them the, thank you very much, sir. Go to the next point. We watched it from like, right from the famous images where you get to see it. Right. Three miles. Watch it go up. For, and it was one of the coolest experiences yeah. in my life. I mean, the power of the space shuttle was just just unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. It's at a three mile distance because at one mile you would die like a whole mile. It, Have it, we talked it, about this before on the podcast? Yeah. Uh, I hope not. I hope not. Sorry. If you're, if you've heard, you heard this before. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, at one mile you would die because the, the, the noise and the power of it is so uh, strong at, at two miles, you'd get some kind of physical damage yeah. to yourself. Three miles is like the the closest. It was just it was, it was the coolest thing that you it can was the do. Coolest thing. And the other is this um, perseverance has a little a little helicopter. Yeah, that's going to go out there. I guess they call it a helicopter, but it's it's like a drone. Yeah, it's like but a it's drone. still yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, they get to fly around. Yeah, Mars, and it's called ingenuity, I think. Okay. But like, would you go to space if you were given an option, like to go to the space center? I mean. A would you do but, that? Um, no. I would. Yeah, I mean, I would like to think I would, but I wouldn't. But I only say that because I know how much training goes into astronaut stuff. No, you wouldn't stuff. do it because all the stuff you'd have to eat. And like the powder yeah. and the weirdness. That's the only reason. Yeah. Because like, you're not getting bacon every I'm day. I'm not getting bacon every day. So why would I go up to space? I'm, right. I'm enamored by it. Maybe in a younger day, David, I would have said yes. I, I want to be an astronaut. But no, today I would just enjoy the fact that people go for me. And, what and were you bring doing? Cool what were you doing when the Challenger blew up? I was in class. Uh, I remember uh, maybe in college. I was in seventh, no, I was in seventh or eighth oh, grade. Oh, that's yeah. Right. I don't want to hear. Sorry old. about that. Yeah. And um, I remember they rolled a uh, they rolled a television in uh, in the middle of whatever the class we had was, and it was heartbreaking. I mean, I we were all just crying, and I mean, it was just so so very sad that I mean, yeah, that was like a indelible youth moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah just and Krista McAuliffe was the teacher. We actually had a, a student at Franciscan University who was in her class. Oh wow! So all the kids were in the you know gymnasium watching the shuttle go up, and I mean, it was very traumatic for her. Yeah. yeah. No, I I actually went to Huntsville, which is where 
one of the mm-hmm. which is, is that where space, space camp which is was? where space camp is yes. i was there just a few days after the challenger blew up and oh. it was just the whole thing was just really surreal it was really, yeah really just weird. so sad yeah. you know it it makes you you know the tragedies like the challenger make you realize how crazy and how dangerous you know space travel is i mean really it's just I mean, the, the math, especially those is first, so specific. those first people oh, that went goodness. up there. It's like, yeah, we think this is going to work. Oh my work. goodness! Yeah, I mean that. Well, that's what I was thinking. Like in Apollo thirteen, like when he's like literally writing math calculations on the window, you know, you know, using the moon as like the point of source. It's just, it's just crazy. So that's another reason why I wouldn't go up there. I think I'd just be useless. I, I mean, if someone's like, we need to do math, I'd be yeah, like, yeah, but I'm just going to die. Just think how often the astronauts would like. We would love to have a little accordion hymn right now. Yeah, okay. No, I could be like a troubadour. Yeah. Uh, um, as just, a space just troubadour. pull out the accordion. And right. Th- yeah. Yeah. Some people call me the space cowboy. Do they? Yeah, some call me something who, else. Who calls you that? Steve Miller. Hmm. <whistles> Might be a good transition for our plug. I think it is. <laughs> or, or, just, or just a good ending. <laughs> or just a good or ending a good of the ending. podcast. Um, hey, Father Dave, you were in a household, weren't you? I was. Actually, I've, I'm part of the household that's been around the longest. Is that like a key ad- What's No, the, the Friars. Uh, oh, wait, 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 yeah, wait. Yeah, do it. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, wait. Yeah. Wait, uh, do this again. Okay. Um, the Friars is the oldest household. Nothing. Oh, crap. Bob is trying to push. For those of you who aren't watching, Bob <laughs> oh, I is pushing. It out. Say it again. Okay. One more time. The, one more time. The Friars, that's the oldest household. <laughs> you know, it's, it's lost every, every part that might have made that kind of interesting and humorous is just gone. You've got to practice that. I will. I'll work on it. Here, wait. Here's a better one. All right. Better. Yeah, not not great. Although we, we need to use utilize that more. You, I don't know if that's a true statement. I do. Actually, I think you need to move it to my side. If if you're watching on, you see that everything is in front of Bob. But I think There's a need, reason for that. We need to move some of that over to I mean, I think me. if we use this a lot, we'd be like... Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. All right. That's enough of that. So, um, well, you know, one of the best parts... But you were actually in a household. I household. Was, I was, like when you were uh, a student I was. Here. Instruments of Peace. It was... Uh, just one of the greatest blessings of my life. The Amen. brothers that I have relationships with, continue to have relationships with, just a great blessing. In fact, I think it's one of the greatest blessings of Franciscan University is the household life. I completely agree. You know, I was here as a master's student, so I didn't. I wasn't a part of a household. I think I was with a group of people that were trying to get a household, um, like a grad household, but at the time they weren't very open to it. And I, I think also the the title we wanted was dogs that eat the scraps from the master's table or something nice, really genuine. Nice, yeah, nice, maybe authentic. They, yeah, maybe that's why they didn't really take us too seriously. But uh, I'm right now an advisor of a household. That's what I figured. And you were. Uh, yeah. servants of the Savior. And I agree, it is one of the one of the great blessings of Franciscan. One of the best parts about being at Franciscan is being in a household. Uh, For those unfamiliar, households are groups of men and women who support each other in their academic, spiritual, and social lives. We currently have over 900 students in 27 women's households and 23 men's households. That's almost 50 households. It is. is. And is that about half of our students? Um, Maybe a little under half. It's close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like our residential students, right? right, right? Exactly. You know, yeah, I mean, obviously right we have about. commuters and master students, but I think that's a good about half. So whether you're praying with your household at morning mass or competing in household Olympics, the friendships you make offer a true sense of belonging and faith-based li- faith-based faith-based? living. Faith-based? Faith-based. Faith-based. Faith-based living that can last a lifetime. 
Learn more about household life at house. <laughs> Are you you're doing great, Bob? Yeah, there you go. There we go. It, it deserves it. At households.franciscan.edu. Again, that's households at france households.franciscan.edu. I was thinking of a button. I'm not going to touch the buttons anymore. Households.franciscan.edu. And it really is, um, you know, when we talk about uh, so many of our students, they they want to learn about the faith, but... Um, they want to experience the faith. No, that's uh, and, absolutely right. And, and I mean, that's really, you know, what we, I'm always trying to be cognizant of that as a faculty member. Sure, what I teach in the classroom is, I would say is the, is the driving force of a university, but I'm also not naive to think, you know, that's all you need. Like I right. know as a catechetics, as a theology professor, that they're living community, they're living faith. And so then what I teach in the classroom really makes a difference because, they're just young men and women that are trying to apply that in their life and apply that in their community. And I, I would absolutely agree. I don't, but I, would say, I don't think you have Franciscan like it is without no, households. But I would also say that it's not just what you teach, it's that you teach and you're in relationship with the students. Mm. That, that there's one thing about just gathering information or knowledge, but it's the manner with which you do that. So I, I would say you and the professors, most of the professors at the university, yeah. really desire to enter into that relationship. And, and when they, so it, it's, it's you can go to something you could read a book and you could learn something, but when they actually stand with you and talk with you and learn your stories and yeah. I think that's that again across the board that's so important for education. That's my favorite thing about teaching. You know, to be honest, when I I was I had a youth ministry background and felt the Lord called me to teach at Franciscan, which was out of the blue for me. I never had any you know, vision, thought, ambition of teaching at a college level. And as I entered into it, my biggest concern was that I would not feel like I'm doing ministry, you know, like, oh gosh, I'm going to be a professor, you know, and I, you know, my only experience had really been, you know, my undergrad experience, which was not a very relationally based, it wasn't at Franciscan. And, uh, and what a blessing it was. I mean, just very quickly, I realized, particularly in this environment, I can build relationships, I can mentor, I can walk with young people, I can, you know, do all the stuff I did in youth ministry, or many of the things I did in youth ministry, really, I can apply in the classroom and as an advisor and other things. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. So but, thank you. Yeah. But yeah, well, it just, let's just go with that for a second. I think what it, it speaks to is the nature of the human person and our desire for community and for relationship. Yeah. You know, so it's not just household fine and, and that, but whatever, whatever the person's situation is that in your parish, in your prayer group, in your Bible study, all of that is to try to be able to build relationships with one another. I read something at Post recently, and, and they were saying that the Eucharist is not a communal experience. It's not a communal event. And I just, I mean, that's, that's crazy yeah. because, because it absolutely is. Right. You know, the Eucharist is still valid if it's just a priest and he's offering himself. And there's lots of reasons why an individual would do that every now and then. But in its nature, it's communal. It's, it's the gathering together of the people. It's a celebration of a meal. It's, it's, you know, the communion in heaven and the communion of the saints on the earth. And so to say that it's not a community, I mean, the human heart desires community, desires right. to be in relationship. So no matter where our listeners are or what's going on, that, that your heart desires that and needs that and to be able to seek that out and find that. And if you don't find it, keep on looking because yeah. it's really essential for, for those of us who believe, particularly with all that's going on in the world right now, is that we've got people that we can share our life with, that we can share our heart with, and that's really important for us. And that's the beauty of liturgy. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's gathering people together. And sadly, sometimes I think we can all take 
um, a very consumeristic individual approach to uh, liturgy and to mass. It's about my experience. It's about my preferences. It's about me getting in and getting out, and I get Jesus. And, uh, you know, we can almost, sadly, we can see almost like the liturgy as this extraneous thing of like, okay, can we just get through this quickly so I can receive my Jesus in the mm-hmm. Eucharist? And you're right, that is missing a really important element, a gift and a grace that God wants to do in our hearts is to move us towards community, to move us to love each other, to pray together. And and I think that is one of the bigger challenges in COVID. I mean, even um, even just not being able to give each other a sign of peace. Yeah, absolutely. Right? I mean, that's that, you know, that's that's more than just, hey, hi, hi, you know, I mean, that's a moment of, you know, community reconciliation, right? I mean, we, yeah. we forgive each other before we go up to the altar. It's It should be a a prayerful moment where before we receive the Eucharist, we acknowledge each other as a community of faith, and we we give each other that gift of shalom, that gift of... I mean, it's a time we actually bless each other in that moment. And, um, you know, some... I've been to, you know, different liturgies during COVID. At least some still say you know, give each other a sign, you know, don't shake right. hands or right, do right, stuff. Right. And then some are just, we're just going to skip that line altogether right. because of it. And then it's tragic. People are, you know, watching the mass at home and there's lots of grace and there's lots of beauty. But again, that, yeah, that community th- experience. Two thoughts is, is, uh, first off the, the Eucharist and, and you alluded to, uh, a danger would be that we only recognize the presence of the Eucharist in the Eucharistic elements. And obviously Jesus is present in that in a preeminent way, in a different way. But the Jesus is also present in the Word. He's present in the priest presiding, and he's present in the community gathered. Yeah. And, and I would say that, and Augustine would say this, right? He says, you know, don't don't paraphrase. Don't say that you you recognize Jesus in the Eucharist if you don't recognize the brother next to you. He says you're so careful not to drop Christ in the Eucharist, and yet you drop the brother Christ and the brother sister next to you. So mm-hmm. I think that's really important for us to be able to recognize that. Now, to the sign of peace, there are some people who don't like the sign of peace. And I don't exactly understand why that is, but they don't. But I had an experience one they time. They don't like touching each other. You know, it's interesting, though. Actually, this experience was in China. Uh, in China, they bow to each other. And, hmm. it, and it's, kind of, it's kind of beautiful at the sign of peace. They bow to one another. And Gregory the Great, I think it was, but it might have been Leo, said uh, that if we, reckon, if we saw one another the way Christ saw us, we would be tempted to bow down before one another. So hmm. there's something really beautiful about that. But I met this woman, and she was from Eastern Europe. And she shared the story with me under the communist when when Eastern Europe was under communism rule, uh, there was a guy in the in the local community who was a Catholic, and yet he went to the Communist Party and, and really was in a, kind of an enforcer in this village, and and was really mean to everybody. And he ended up beating this uh, the the father of this one girl. So, jump ahead when the communism falls, they're at mass and they're at sign of the, at the time of the sign of peace. And her mother squeezes out of the row, you know, has to walk across three or four people to get out of the pew, walks back four aisles and goes into another pew and offers peace to the guy that had beat her mm. husband. And there was something about just beautiful about that, right? Yeah. That in that scripture, isn't it something in scripture that speaks yes. of that exact thing? And and so sometimes we, we think we just do things like it doesn't matter, but the church, what she does, does, right? And all right. of those different elements actually say something to us. Yeah, amen. Yeah. So, amen, praise God. Yeah, amen, amen. So uh, I don't know how we got there. Community, I don't know. importance of community. It's a great place to be. Yeah, yeah, Thank you, Jesus, of, for yeah. leading us into that moment, and I hope you're blessed by it. Importance of community. Um, 
why don't you talk about your new app, right? Is this something that's going on with the Wild Goose? Yeah, or? yeah. So we just, I guess it just came out one Thursday of last week. Uh, it's, I think it, Wild Goose TV. If okay. you go to your app store, or whatever that is. Some people use Apple. What's it? Apple. Apple, okay. Yeah. Some people use that. Um, <laughs> uh, or, or you could go to the... Uh, oh, you mean like store. Apple TV? Is that what you're talking about? Well, mine is Wild Goose TV. So if you go to your, whatever, if you get your get your apps and go to Wild Goose TV, you can get uh, download our app that has Metanoia, the Wild Goose, the Dead Sea Scrolls, Sign of Contradiction, and then a bunch of other things that that we've done with Vigil. Oh, so, that's yeah, fantastic. That's great. Looked at, turned out really beautiful. Yeah, and that's a great resource for Lent as you're continuing your Lenten journey, uh, particularly if you're looking to do something, maybe not with little kids, but, you know, I, I've been really enjoying doing some of those things with my teenage kids. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the videos and stuff that you've offered has been, have been a real beautiful and wonderful gift. That's because you're in part of them. Is that the, is I that am. the only ones you watch or the ones you're in? Just, the, yeah, just, just that one episode over. of Wild Goose. You're in more than one. See, <laughs> I am. Well, I'm kind of spread throughout. I'm but, sprinkled. Yeah, but you're focused but on, I'm focused on the one on about one. the father. And of course, that's the only one that's really worth watching. So, Do you remember which one that is? What number? Four. I have no idea. I don't know. I, I just, no I just threw that out there, maybe three or four. It's early. Yeah, I have no idea. It's the one that we did on the father about um, being adopted children. Yeah. And you share your story about Jory, which yeah. is really a beautiful, just a beautiful story. Yeah, praise God. It's fun. It's yeah, awesome. so that's available if you're blessed by it. That's great. Yeah, amen. This week, uh, liturgically speaking, we celebrated furniture. We did. And what was that about? It's really funny. You know, we just... I love being Catholic and we just do things that are just really yeah. interesting. So Monday was the chair of St. Peter. Yes. And it's really an opportunity for us to reflect on the role of the Holy Father and yeah. the role of the papacy and the importance of it and the primacy of it and the the unity. Uh, so I, I remember, I actually, I was in Bermuda? Bermuda one time on the feast of the chair of Peter. Why would I? Anyway. Anyway. So, but, but preached on that. I, I literally put a chair, right? A chair in front of us and <laughs> yeah. says, okay, we're going to celebrate this chair. But it just, it's all that that represents. Yeah. You know, that the church and the Holy Father represents uh, authority, unity, um, an ability to speak with, with, uh, with truth and with insight and with direction and all that, all that goes with that. So yeah. what did you do special on that feast day? Well, I celebrated it. I sat did in you, a lot of chairs. So, did you in the house assist at church or? No, 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 no because that's the day we record the podcast. So okay, I okay, actually okay. go to the campus mass that day. Okay. So, okay. but it was a wonderful mass. Who celebrated it? I'm trying to remember. Well, the deacons preached. Oh, on Monday. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, that'll be great. Yeah. Or that was great. See that? See that? Yes. Uh -huh. Well, you you led me there. I totally did. I know. I was trying to but, figure but out how is, am I supposed to is, do that. The thing about it is, is what it, it, it it's a feast that goes back a long time, and I think one of the things is it reminds us. It reminds us that the the papacy has a long history, mm. and there's a way that I think that sometimes we make the papacy. I don't know, a popularity contest. You yeah. know, I like this guy. I didn't like that guy. I like this guy better. And no matter what it is, uh, the role of the Holy Father is important for us as Catholics. You know, and I, I'm totally, I, I totally get that some people don't particularly care for Pope Francis or some of the ways that he does things or some of the ways that he speaks. Uh, but but it's funny. The truth is, is that that's always been the case. Right Now, it may be that that some people find themselves on the other side of the road on this one, <laughs> but that's always been the case, you yeah. know? And, and I think the challenge for us is first off 
to, to pray for the Holy Father and to continually pray for the Holy Father and rejoice in the fact that, that we have this, right? We have this, this leader in our church who speaks for us and speaks with authority and is supposed to be a person of authority, I mean, unity. But what concerns me is, is what awful things are said in, in about the Holy Father. You know, yeah. again, you can disagree, and, and, and there's a way that we can go about that. But I was just, when I was praying this morning, he's still our father, yeah. Right. He's still our father, and and that demands it demands respect. It demands, in in many ways, an obedience to that to the Holy Father. So, yeah, it's a it's a great feast day. And I would even go as far to say a love. I remember I was um, decades ago when I was looking at different job opportunities, and uh, I was in a I was in a diocese with one of those liberal, questionable bishops, you know, that Mother Angelica talked negatively about. Mm-hmm. And so before I, before I took the job, I was talking to a priest in that diocese and, um, you know, just trying to get some of the background on, all right, what's it really like here? What, what's going on? And so I said, so what do you, I said, now tell me honestly, like what, um, you know, what, what do you think about the bishop? And this was a very conservative priest. And he looked at me and he said, I would die for him. And I was like, what? He's like, I would die for him. I love him. I don't agree with all his decisions though. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it like set the right tone of like, no, Bob, okay. you are, that is just so yeah. perfect. Yeah. 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 I think that's, I don't even know if I have anything else to say, but and we need to, but that yeah. is so perfect is, is that it, de- it demands that we love him. And again, that doesn't mean that we necessarily agree with everything, right. but right. But some of the things that are said and tweeted and spoken and written in comments and online, it's just, it's just awful. Well, it's a lack of charity. And yeah. for me, you know, whenever you look at, I mean, even like, you know, the toxicity of some of the arguments and, you know, Catholic Twitter or whatever, I don't, actually don't even know what Catholic Twitter is, but I hear it's not great. Um, is, there, is that like? I guess it's a group or something. Oh, okay. okay. I'm sure we'll get, I'm sure somebody will tweet us about it and I don't know. Um, but the bottom line is that, like, you know, if if we can't say the truth in love, I mean, really, the love is the foundation of the truth, because if it's not in love, then it's actually not truth. Mm-hmm. You know, God is love, and the way we love each other and the way we respect each other is just essential. And I think a feast like the Chair of St. Peter reminds us of the importance of that, because, like, where would we be without that chair? Where would we sure. be without the Pope? And sure. Um, all the many gifts and graces, you know, that, that come from, you know, this is God's plan, right? This is God's plan for us and God's plan for the church. And when you look at the uh, officer readings this morning on the chair, Peter, it talks about uh, unity and, yeah. and it representing unity. And there, there's a saying, Louis de Montfort um, made allusion to this, but he said, the corruption of that which is best is worst. Hmm. So something that is supposed to be really wonderful and really beautiful, unity, if the evil one can cause us to be disunited in that, then that's exactly what he's going to do. Right, and that's exactly what's what what happens at times is is that we become not united over something that was supposed to be able to bring us together, and it's imperative. I just I thought that the story about the bishop that you shared is just really really wonderful. Bob is is that we may not agree with everything, but he is our father. Literally, he is our father. He's our holy father, yeah. our pope, and we ought to we ought to be able to treat that with charity and love and respect and. Yeah, I right. was. Uh, I mentioned uh, the the previous podcast. I got to spend a week with folks in Young Life, evangelical Protestants, and we were talking about ecumenism and unity. and And it struck me how we need almost a 
a, a cat, an inter-Catholic ecumenism at times. I mean, like we've, we can be so divided and, you know, sometimes it's actually the, it's almost like sometimes the people you treat worse are the people in your own family, right? Oh, you know, like you can be kind to the stranger, but within the family, you can really be vicious. And, absolutely. Um, and I see that within Catholicism, like people can just be fellow Catholics can just eviscerate each other. Absolutely. And that's a great word, Bob. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I have a doctorate. Yes, you do. Yeah. It's the word of the day. Very eviscerate. Good. good. Yeah. But we have confidence in the church and the gates of hell not prevailing against it. And those keys given specifically to Peter, that was a text, uh, obviously that was the text of the Feast of St. Peter and uh, a text that when, as I was trying to explain Catholicism to my evangelical brothers and sisters, I, I, I came to that text and I, I read it. And it's, and this is what Jesus said, I, Amen, I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And I think that's a great scripture of hope Absolutely. for us, you know, that uh, we do have a rock, a rock on which the church is built. And it's interesting, he didn't, he didn't say it to... Um, he didn't say it to everybody there. All of you are rocks, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, it was a very... I mean, you have to just look at his pedagogy. Like, why, you know, why did Jesus do what he did? He specifically picked out one of the guys and gave the keys to one of the guys. Uh, I imagine you've had a chance to go to Caesarea Philippi in I the have. Holy Land. Have, it's it's gorgeous. Go to the Holy Land if you haven't had a chance to go, please. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. Uh, I went to Caesarea Philippi, and I... Um, I was doing research actually for a book on St. Peter that I wrote many years ago. So I was by myself, which was kind of an interesting experience driving around the country. And, and, uh, uh, and whenever you're traveling, you have this experience. You get really excited when you hear your own language spoken, you know, after being surrounded for a few days by everybody else not really speaking your language. So I got to Caesarea Philippi, and there was a tour group that was there. And... Uh, and I was like, oh, English, this is fantastic. You know, so I kind of went and stood on the periphery of the group and just heard, uh, heard him as he was explaining the area and explaining the site and then explaining about, and he read that scripture. Um, and then I immediately realized, oh, this is not a Catholic group. Yeah. Uh, because what he said was, now, of course, in Greek, rock means Petra, um, but Jesus called Peter Petros, which means pebbles. So really, the better translation of this text is that Peter was one of the many pebbles on which the rock was built. And I was really tempted to raise my hand, but I didn't have my doctorate at that point. And I thought, go. I'm just going to walk away from this. Yeah. And for those that listeners, was probably good discernment, by the way. I, I think it was. I think it was. And for those listeners who haven't heard that or are wondering what the actual answer to that is, um, the answer is kind of. So yes, um, in the Greek, rock is feminine, and it is Petra, so you wouldn't call... Uh, a guy, Petra, that would be calling him a girl's name. So Petros is the masculine. And though Petros does, you know, can mean pebbles, um, there's also Aramaic. And in the scriptures we see in Aramaic that Peter is called Cephas. And um, that absolutely means rock. There's no doubt about, you know, he, he was absolutely rock. So that's just not a uh, that's just not a thing. Um, but that rock on which the church was built, um, you know, that, that was given to a person that should cause us to reflect that uh, God had a purpose and a plan. Right, and the place for hope is just that. The gates of hell will never prevail against us. And and the church has gone through 
uh, struggles. There's never been a time that she wasn't going through struggles. I think we find ourselves actually in a really unique time right now in the life mm-hmm. of the church. And we are hope, right, that in the midst of all the storms, in the midst of everything that's going on, we're going to be okay. Yeah. We're going to be okay. And as and as long as we do what you said earlier, Bob, and that is that we leave with charity and yeah. and care for one another and respect for one another and civility with one another. It's unfortunate that right now it's like, just be civil. It's like, Jesus <laughs> right. didn't say, just be civil. You right. know, he said, love one another, lay down your life. Love your enemies. Right. Love yes. as I've loved you. Right. But it's like, just be civil. Just be nice yeah, to yeah, each yeah. other. One of my favorite things when I think of the scripture is something that Dr. Han, uh, I remember being in class and he talked about the scripture and he mentioned. Uh, the fact that the statement that Jesus says was the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And um, a gate is what you defend yourself with. You know, you don't attack somebody with a gate. And so sometimes we hear that scripture and we think, oh, good, hell, you know, will be protected from the powers of hell. No, actually, the image is the church breaking into hell. The church is knocking down the gates of hell. Like the church is the victor here. It's not like we've just got a good wall and we can hunker down and survive the fires of hell. No, we're, you know, the Jesus is going God in there. Is at hand. The kingdom yeah. of God is at hand. The The reign of hell in, and the devil is over. There's a great image. Uh, I, I wish I knew who painted it. Uh, in the Smithsonian Museum of Art in Washington, D.C. of this. I mean, mm. Jesus is triumphant, and the, you see the gates like in pieces shattered. So yeah. just a great, great image. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome, Bob. Yeah, and I think maybe just a great image to reflect on as we— the devil is a liar. Uh, the enemy wants to work in fear. Wants right? us to use the divider. And the divider. Absolutely. The, the accuser of brothers is one of the titles of the devil in Scripture. The, the accuser of brothers, the divider, and— um, God is calling us for unity and actually gave us the chair of Peter to bring about unity. He has given us the authority of the chair of Peter and the authority of the church to shatter the gates of hell. And so uh, for whatever, uh, wherever you are today, as you're listening to this, whatever you're fearful of, whatever lies um, that are just making their way into your heart, just have confidence in the power of Jesus Christ. Have confidence in the power of the church you know, which is beautiful and messed up at the same time, you know, which is perfect and in need of perfection. But you can hope in the church, the bride of Jesus Christ, as you can hope in Jesus, because he will not abandon his bride. Uh, he, he will not let her go. He will not let her down. And we'll, through the church, we will be able to be a part of the family and the community of, of the salvation uh, that Jesus has won for us on the cross. Amen. Amen. So, Lord, we ask your blessing to be upon us as we continue our journey in Lent, that our hearts and our minds would be turned towards you. We thank you for the church, which is a blessing, our refuge, brings us safety, brings us relationship, community. Continue to shower your grace upon all those listening. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Have a good week, Bob. Thanks. You too. And thank you for listening to our podcast. Uh, Many blessings and graces as you continue your Lenten journey. Please, when you get a chance, share us a story of hope or something to plug on the podcast. Hope at franciscan.edu. That's hope at franciscan.edu. God bless.